Hey everyone, thanks for joining us at Infused Church Online. Today we are starting a brand new series called Me and My Big Mouth, which is not about your grandma's mouth, your parents' mouth, your spouse's mouth. It's about you and your big mouth. And we're going to learn today the first step into taming that unruly thing that can get us oftentimes into a lot of trouble. So stick There we go. Isn't that the truth, Phil? Um, we've all been there. We've all said things, done things that we regret almost as quickly as we say them. And we almost look back and say, how did I say that? Why did I say that? Why did I keep going? I should have just stopped while I was ahead. And we're all going to continue to do that if we're all being honest with ourselves, right? There's just a matter of time until our next moment when we don't stop talking and we get ourselves into a little bit of trouble. And I'll be honest with you because I don't want to be a hypocrite. That's never my hope. Um, this is one of the most convicting uh, messages I've prepared in a long time. I learn from these messages just as much as you do. I generally don't preach my own stuff. I'm preaching what um, Jesus said and what uh, many of his followers said. And uh, so this is convicting for me as well. In fact, what was really funny is um, I had to bite my tongue just in the process of ordering these because Theodore at Amazon didn't seem to care very much that my order delivery date would not be here by Saturday, i.e. yesterday. Instead, they said it was going to be here Monday. And I said, that is not going to work because you don't understand. I have church and I need these. And they said it was supposed to be here. He didn't seem to care that much. So I went on back on Amazon, had to buy a different set of these. And guess when they both got here? Saturday. Yes. So I will be returning at least three of these. And I will uh, be giving Theodore a great review online because otherwise I'll be a hypocrite. So today we are beginning uh, a new series. Um, in fact, we're going to do something a little different. We're going we're to start by saying the series together because this is really important. So on the count of three, we're going to say this together. Are you ready? One, two, three. Me and my big mouth. Yes, and some of you put emphasis on the big part, so this is equally uh, applicable to you. But the reason I'm saying that we have to say this together is because this is series is not about your mama's mouth, not about your grandma's big mouth, not about your spouse's mouth, not about your kids' coach's mouth, your principal's mouth, your boss's mouth. This is about me and my big mouth, and it is going to be so easy for you and I to go to the place of who in my life needs to hear this story or hear this series. But I want us to keep it full and center on us and our big mouth. Because even for the introverts in the room, we have all been in a place in our lives where we have called someone a name. It was in kindergarten and probably last week. We reacted we reacted instead of responded. We knew we should have just responded, but instead we reacted, right? We've all been in the place where, where, where we've had to be right so much so that we've said things that we probably shouldn't have just so that we could be right. And what's really interesting is I was reading uh, Gary Chapman's book on the five love languages. It's a very popular read. If you haven't read it, I really encourage you to do that. His research suggests that in average conversations, the average person waits 17 seconds to respond. Isn't that crazy? You say something, 
And on average, the person will respond within 17 seconds. That's how fast we are to speak. And, and, and even more complicated, I think, that we have to be aware of today is we have tools at our disposal when it comes to our big mouths that allow us to speak to hundreds and hundreds of people. And this has just changed in the last decade. For all of human history, if you wanted an audience to hear you that was any bigger than a couple hundred people, you would have to either be the king, extremely powerful, or really wealthy. But because of social media, because of Twitter and Facebook and emails and text messages, you can contact people with your big mouth a lot easier than humanity has ever been able to do before. And so it's another layer of complexity, and I think why this is becoming exceptionally, exceptionally important. Words have weight, and I think they're only getting heavier. So what do we do when our big mouths get the best of us. And the answer to that, the bottom line for this series is um, we're going we're gonna to talk about it and it's going to carry through the rest of the series and we're just going to build on it. And our bottom line comes from a guy and his name was James. Okay, James. And some of you have heard of James because he's a very famous brother of a very famous person and his brother's name was Jesus. Now think about that for a second. How many of you would like your brother to be Jesus? I mean, you go through all of school, and all the teachers are like, well, James, Jesus got it right the first time. Why can't you? I mean, it brings perfection to a whole new standard. And I don't know why, but part of me wonders if that's the reason we really don't hear about James until much later in the story. In fact, he doesn't really show up at all in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the stories of Jesus. He showed up... uh, uh, he showed up a lot later. Um, and, um, but what was most incredible about James, I think, is that even though Jesus was his brother, James gave his life for his brother. Faith in his brother. James said, I have decided that my brother is my savior. And he was so confident in that, he lost his life for his faith. Faith. As Josephus and some historians um, in history tell us, um, there was a brief uh, power uh, lapse within the Roman Empire in the province of Judea. And during this time, about 60 AD, during when the Roman governor wasn't there, the high priest of the time, Ananias, who was uh, related to Ananias, who had Jesus crucified, essentially convinced Rome to crucify Jesus on the cross, relative, okay? He saw James and he's like, I have to get rid of this threat. Rome's not around right now. I'm practically in charge of all Jerusalem. And so he had James stoned for James's faith in his brother. And what's really interesting, though, is when they appointed a new governor, the new governor came to town, all the people went to, not all the people, but a lot of people went to the governor and said, Ananias did this, it was not right, it was not a fair trial, and the, the Roman Empire agreed and threw Ananias out. Because James was that popular. People loved James. In fact, they loved him so much for his honesty and how just he was and fair he was that they gave him the name James the Just. 
And he was exceptionally, as you'll find if you've ever read the book of James or the letter that James wrote to the church, he was exceptionally practical. And that's what we're going to learn um, uh, uh, today. And we're going to read a letter that he wrote to the church that he was in charge of. And we call it, it, we call it a book, but it's not a book, it's just a letter. Because James was in charge of the church in Jerusalem. So if you, in 50 AD, would have gone to church, James would have been the one standing up here, moving the slides along, all that stuff, maybe leading worship, I don't know. But James was was the pastor. He was in charge of the church in Jerusalem, okay? So he writes this letter, made its way through history, very, very practical, and he gives us the answer to what we need to do when it comes to our big mouths. So he begins by addressing his audience, and he doesn't like this, my dear brothers and sisters. And in the Greek, this phrase means something different than what we think it means in English. It, it's more like James was saying, my dear beloved family. It's a much more relational uh, a greeting. And, and that's important because James is saying, hey, I'm going to tell you some things. And I'm not telling it to make you feel bad. I'm telling you this because I care about you, because you're my family. And that's what family does. This, my church is my family. And that's how relationally connected we are. So he says, hey, everyone, I want to tell you some things. So my dear brothers and sisters, please pay attention. And I want you to begin by taking note. As in, write it down as is, this is important. Remember this, okay? Everyone. Who's everyone? Everyone is everyone, okay? Nobody gets out of this. There are no exceptions. Everyone should be quick to listen and slow to speak. Which really doesn't make sense. Because what's normal what we expect, what most people do, at least based on research and probably your and my experience, is they do it the other way. They do, it would be like James saying, everyone is quick to speak and everyone is slow to listen. But James says, no, that's not what I want you to do. I want you to be quick to listen and slow to speak. I want you to be quick to listen and slow to speak. In fact, I want us to all say this together so we don't forget. In fact, we're going to get even more complicated here, okay? So on the count of three, we're going to say this together. Quick to listen, slow to speak. Yeah. Now we're all going to pretend, at least for the next few minutes, that we're back in elementary school. Did you guys get that? Because yeah. we're in elementary school. Okay. Anyways, that's fine. It'll sink in maybe on your way home today, okay? We're going to give some hand motions and some verbal changes to this to help us remember, okay? So the first line, quick to listen, we're going to start with our fists clenched like this, quick to listen, and then we're going to open when we get to listen our palms, okay? And I'll explain why in just a second, okay? So ready? Quick to listen, okay? And then we're going to be, this is going to catch you off guard, ready for this? Slow to speak, okay? Quick to listen, slow to speak, and why this is really important and why I'm having you this is not just to like see if you'd all follow along, which you did get great. It was really fantastic. Um, but because of what this symbolizes, because all of us sit here and when we want to talk, when we have something to say, when we're angry, when we're frustrated, when we're annoyed, whatever the reason may be, and we want something to come out of our mouths, our body language does things to indicate that. And one of the ways we do that is we clench our fists. And what I'm saying is when you think listening, you're going to put your palms out and be open to hearing what the other person is going to say. And then you're going to, then you're going to be slow to speak. 
slow to speak. So this is really important because, and you know this and I know this, this is nothing new, all of us, quick to listen, slow to speak is important because all of us want to be heard and we want to be understood. Do we not? We all want to be heard and we all want to be understood. Even if you don't agree, like I'll sit there and I'll say, you know what, I'm not sure that I agree with you on this, but if you make me feel like you heard me and you actually understood my perspective, I am going to be much more open to talking to you. My response is going to be completely different. My emotions are going to be different. And when I think about you, I'm going to be thinking about someone who treated me well and respected me as a person and my opinion, even though I didn't understand it. Why? Because you were quick to listen, slow to speak, and it allowed you to hear me and understand me. And this is really difficult because, like I said, our body language have you ever seen this before? If somebody is frustrated, a little defensive, they're going to do this, right? Someone is a little defensive, a little frustrated, they're going to do this. And this is why we're doing the hand motions. is because you have to be open to what the other person is saying. Because when you're like this, and when you're like this, is it not true that this is most likely the time when your big mouth is going to get out of control? Okay? At least one person on the front row. Everybody else, you're all saints, I guess. I don't know. Okay? When you're in that agitated emotional state, stress state, this is where that 17 seconds maybe turns into five seconds before you respond. And I understand what this, look, what this means. I understand what's going on inside of me. And you're at board meetings, whatever, you got just this under the table, like, oh. listening. Listening. Maybe at dinner every night. Maybe it's every night at dinner. You just got to sit there and open palms under the table. Just open yourself and being slow to speak. I mean, think about this. If you are a middle schooler and a high schooler, listen to me for a second. If you want your parents to have a system overload, I really don't want that to be the reason, but understandably, you're a little mischievous sometimes. So you may want to do this. If you want your parents to just sit there in shock and awe at your behavior, be slow to speak and be quick to listen. When they're sitting there and they're berating you, right, they're having a talk with you, okay, and they're going on and on and on, right, just do this. Hey, mom and dad, that's a really great point. Could you tell me where that came from? Your parents won't know what to do, right? Why? Because they're sitting there and they, the last thing they're expecting for you to do is to listen, but one of two things, one of two incredible things are going to happen. I hope both, but one or two incredible things are going to happen. One, you as a middle schooler, high schooler, or even young adult, you're going to learn something about your parents by asking questions, being curious, and being slow to speak, slow to speak. The other thing that might happen is your parents may realize the flaw or inconsistency in what they're telling you, Okay? Sometimes that happens. Parents aren't perfect. But if you don't give them a chance to speak and they just have to escalate and escalate and escalate, they're not backing down. They're not going to rethink the direction they're going. They're full forward. But if you just, quick to listen, so to speak, it'll change a lot. Parents, come on, parents. Isn't it your temptation to go into that escalation mode? Isn't it your temptation to talk 
more than you listen to your kids. And it's understandable because you have all the good reasons to do so. You're much wiser. You've been around a lot longer. You have a lot more experience in life. And you know what? Your child's prefrontal cortex hasn't fully developed yet. So you have a lot of reason to speak into their lives. But the problem is they'll come to a point and they just won't listen anymore. They'll just walk away. Anybody? And so you have a decision. Slow to speak. Quick to listen. So to speak. Maybe your boss. I don't know what it is for your life and your application, but quick to listen and slow to speak will make an immediate difference in your life. In fact, I think this is one of the most important relational things that you can do. Your mind right now may be going to the people in your life who need to hear this, and I understand that. It is a lot easier to see it in others than it is into ourselves. I get that. That's fine. When we post this message online, you send it to them. Don't say anything about it. Just send them the link and see what that passive aggressiveness can do for you, okay? But what I'm saying is for you, where in your life could you be quick to listen and slow to speak? Now, if you do this, the next part of what James says will be much easier. So he says, my dear brothers and sisters, take note. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. And we kind of talked about this because it is really easy when we're frustrated to talk quickly and to get ourselves into trouble. And James is saying, I need you to understand why listening in the face of anger is so important. And what I'm about to tell you is so profound that if the bouncy house and the food is not enough for you today, I feel like this should be enough. In fact, it's so good. I didn't even come up with it. I just thought it was so good that it applies here. We need to understand this if you don't already. We all have to realize it is more important to listen in the face of anger because Everything everyone does makes sense to them. Let that sink in. Everything everybody does makes sense to them. At least in the moment when they do it, it makes sense to them. And then it gets worse. Everything everyone says makes sense to them. At least in that moment, that's why they said it. And then the next part, and this is, this is really important for us at Infuse, and we believe this. I believe this so much. That is why we create the environment that we do that's welcoming and safe for everyone, even if you don't follow Jesus. Because everyone believe, everything everyone believes makes sense to them. And that's why we don't shame, and that's why we don't judge, because we believe what you believe makes sense to you, at least in the moment in which you believe it. But come on. We all do this. We forget that everything everybody does and says and believes makes sense to them in the moment. And then when they don't do what we think they should do, what they, we think they should say, how we think they should behave, we sit back and we get frustrated, okay, don't we? We get frustrated about that political thing, that religious thing, that sports thing, whatever it is. Like last night, that was a little upsetting, okay? Whatever it may be, okay? <clears throat> And then what do we do? We use our big mouths when we're frustrated and we yell at the TV, we send out a tweet, we send out a Facebook post to let everybody know how we're feeling. And what essentially are we saying when we do that? We're saying this, I don't know why they do that. I don't know why they say that. I don't know why they believe it and it's so frustrating. 
that they do. And that is really unfortunate because guess who has the problem in this situation? Guess who has the room to grow in this situation? Guess who should be quick to listen? I'll give you a hint. I don't know. You got that? I don't know. Who doesn't know? I don't know. You literally have admitted to yourself the reason that you don't understand. The reason why you're frustrated. It's not because they have a problem per se, even though they may. The problem started with you because you don't know. You don't know. And I get it. It is so much easier to be critical and judgmental and angry about it. It is so much easier to watch shows that support your beliefs so you don't have to sit there and say, I don't know why they believe that because these people do, and so I'm just going to surround myself with people who believe the same things that I do. And yes, that works in the short term, but not in the long term. And if you are a Jesus follower, this is not what Jesus taught. Because by expressing your lack of understanding, by expressing your lack of understanding, you've admitted who needs to understand. And guess who it is? It's you. You have to understand. And guess what the solution to bringing understanding so you don't have to say, I don't know, that you can understand. I'm not saying you have to agree. I'm just saying that you can understand. The solution is to be quick to listen and slow to speak. Quick to listen. Quick to listen and slow to speak to speak, to ask questions, to prioritize learning, to speak less, listen more. Now, James is going to conclude his point, he's going to conclude his point to explain why he's saying this, okay? So we got the whole angry part, and he says, because human anger, because human anger, and human anger in its simplest form is what? Human anger in its simplest form is, I didn't get my way. Isn't that why we get angry? The reason we get angry is we just didn't get our way. Didn't get, I got angry with my kids. I got angry with my roommate. I got angry with my neighbor. Why? Because I didn't get what I wanted when I wanted it. I, didn't, I, I wanted to be right in this situation. I wanted to let people know what I know. That's what James is saying. Because of human anger, because of the desire to I want to be right, James says, that does not produce the righteousness that God desires. You have to be quick to listen, so to speak, because it leads to anger, and it leads to, I want to be right, and that does not produce the righteousness that God desires. What does it produce? I'm glad you asked. It produces a conflict of rightness. And if you're like, that's not a thing, I promise you, at least for the day, it is a thing. It, It makes a conflict of rightness. I know I'm right. I know that I'm right. I know that I'm right. I want to win the argument, and I want everybody to know that I'm right. And in your pursuit of rightness, you can write relationships out the window. Not W-R-I-T-E. Write them out the window. Your spouse will sit there and say, your desire to be right trumps our relationship. You care more for winning than you do for our relationship. When it comes to your kids, what if you care more about being right than you do the relationship with your kids? Honey, I'm right, I'm right, I'm right, I'm right. Honey, where are you going? No, no, I want to let you know. I'm right, I'm right. Where'd you go? That's what happens. That's what happens. Parents, you can write your kids right out of your life. 
You have to be so careful. And Jesus and God are saying, I don't want there to be a, um, I don't want there to be a conflict of, of, um, of rightness, okay? James is saying, pursue not your own rightness. Pursue God's rightness. Because God's rightness leads to peace, it leads to freedom, and it leads to relationship. And you may be sitting there like, well, Taylor, I'm not sure I'm sold out on the whole rightness. I'm not so, so, so sure I'm sold out on God yet. Okay, bear with me. I mean, just hear me out. We want to be right. We want to have people see it our way. Essentially, we want to be right at each other. Okay? Guess what God wants? You ready for this? God wants us to be right with each other. Big difference. We want to be right at each other, and you may be. But God says, you know what's more important? You being right with each other. And if you're not sure that's what, that's what God wants, then you need to go back and listen to last week's message. Download our app, listen to last week's message. And if that is not enough, go home, turn your Bibles um, to Matthew chapter 5, and Jesus says in there, if you are going to go offer a gift to God, and you realize as you're offering that gift to God at the altar that you have a problem with your brother, your sister, your family member, your boss, you need to leave it at the altar. Go to them. Reconcile with them, then come back to offer that up to God. Because God wants us to be right with each other. And unfortunately, most of us, based on our church experience, and I understand this, most of what we hear from people about God, we think that God wants to be right at us as well. We think that's all God cares about. No, this is right and you're wrong. He just wants to be right at us. But that's not what God wants. God wants, to be, wants us to be right with him, just as he wants us to be right with each other. And guess how you're going to get there? At least a great start. Quick to listen. Slow to speak. Quick to listen. Slow to speak. Instead of saying what you think you know about God, etc., asking, hey, tell me more about your experience with God. Because mine's different. Tell me more your experience with the situation in your life. Because mine looks different. The next two weeks, that's what I hope that you will consider doing. Is you will be quick to listen and slow to speak slow to speak. And if that is not enough, I just want you to remember this. And this may be different than what you grew up with, but I want you to remember this. That when it came to God and what God did through his son, Jesus, God represented the attitude of being quick to listen and slow to speak. He could have just sent Jesus down to earth for about two minutes for him to stand up and tell the world, I'm right. And he would have been right. Son of God is right. And then he could have left and it would have been a done deal. But he didn't. He came down as a vulnerable infant. Born into this world a vulnerable infant. To grow up, to suffer the same things that you and I have suffered. To go through the same life that you and I have gone through. To grow and to learn like we've had to. And even when he began to speak publicly, 
for the, for the about three years that we have recorded in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, he asked more questions than he gave answers to. And he was exceptionally relatable. People would go to him because he just like understood what they were going through. And he was so practical and so helpful that people who are nothing like him liked him. Crowds followed him. That's what Jesus did. And he, just, and he died, not so that he could be right. He was right. He died so that we could be with him. So we could be with him. God doesn't just want to be right at us. He wants to be right with us. And if we walk through this with him and then on the relationships around us, it will help us live the life, as James would say, that his brother taught him about and taught the world about. Start here. Quick to listen, slow to speak. And so here's what I want to leave you with for the next two weeks when we come back into this series two weeks from now. I want to leave you with just this one idea. Quick to listen, slow to speak, and the five-question rule. So this week and next week, when you walk into work tomorrow, okay, and you walk up to that Iowa State fan, <laughs> what are you going to say? Good game, thank you. It was a very slow game, but that's beside the point, not part of the message. Hey, how are you doing today? Oh, my team didn't win. Yeah, it was a rough game. What would you think about it? Well, it was really, really slow, at least for the first three quarters, and nobody seemed to be able to kick a ball. Yeah, that's, that's, that's a real bummer. How, how's your family doing? Oh, yeah, they're struggling with this and this and this. And you just keep asking until you've hit five questions before you even talk about yourself. Just try it and see what you learn and see if the relationship that you have with that person changed at all in the next two weeks. Before you give your opinion, five questions. Quick to listen, slow to speak. And if it doesn't make a difference, let me know, because I'd be curious. But I think James, the brother of Jesus, was probably right on this one. And I think you do too. So we're going to pray right now. We're going to sing one more song. And then I uh, invite you to come join us for, for lunch. All right? So if you bow your heads and, and pray with me real quick. Heavenly Father, Lord, I just pray that uh, you give us the insight, um, the answers, the directions, the encouragement, the nudge of our hearts, whatever it takes for the next two weeks. Maybe it takes a phone reminder to you or a note on our dash or whatever it takes that you would help for us to remember to be quick to listen, to be slow to speak. That, that we would not get sidetracked with our own stuff. We would not get out of the car because we had a frustrating call or frustrating conversation with our boss. That we would come out into whatever environment that we're in and we would be open to what people have to say and we would ask questions. We'd be quick to listen and slow to speak. So Lord, give us the strength, encouragement, and wisdom, whatever it takes for us to be able to do that this week. And maybe, just maybe for some of us who maybe have walked away from you or haven't been in church for a long time, we would realize the truth, the life that you have and want 
for us through small things like building relationships and connections, through being quick to listen and slow to speak versus perhaps what we've done in the past. Lord, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.